gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Hello, and welcome to the take two of the uh, Town Alone podcast, the only podcast brought to you by The Wheel. I am your host, Adam, and uh, I'm half distracted here trying to make sure that my Dynasty Hockey League doesn't set itself on fire. Mike, how are you doing today? Great. Fantastic. Exuberant. Tumescent. That probably isn't the right word. Uh, no, tumescent is what you put in curry. Oh, that's, uh, isn't that, I think it's tumorin, right? Or thyme. Uh, no, but it is time to talk about the podcast. Are you sure this isn't the Curry mm. podcast? Where we talk no. just... It's the Dave Miller about... podcast. What are we doing? What are we doing here? What the fuck are we doing here? Fuck's sake. We need Clean the it curry... up. We need the Curry and Curry podcast where they just talk about Seth Curry, Steph Curry, and the actual food Curry. Oh my god, yeah. What if we did a Curry, Curry, and Curry podcast where we did Seth and Steph and ate Curry? I like it. That could be a bonus pod. All right, you get on the horn with them. Get them on there. I'll make the Curry. Yeah, or one of the hosts is just a bowl of curry. <laughs> Might be more charismatic than us some weeks. All right, Mike, I don't know if you heard about the uh, the big news. The big news in the NBA. The big about- game, the big news. Yusuf Nurkic traded to the Suns. Were you going to make that joke? <laughs> I, I was, see it in your yeah. eyes. You stole my big game joke. I love it. Uh, Dave Lillard goes to the Milwaukee Bucks. Mike. Did you know I can spit and hit Milwaukee from here? Get out of town. Is that true? Yeah, it's not far. Oh, all right. Take, take one train north for a little bit. You get there. I've been in Milwaukee before. You know what my takeaway from Milwaukee is? What? Still better than Buffalo. So. Fuck you. Dave Lally gets traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. Portland gets, in return, Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, pick swaps in 2028 and 2030, which, what are we fucking doing here, guys? Huh? What are you fucking doing here? And the Bucks first first round 2029 pick with no protections on it. I gotta once again say here, Portland. What the fuck are we doing here? Pick swaps 2028 and 2030. You think the Bucks are gonna be worse than you in the next 25 years? What are you fucking in, doing here, Portland? In the next CBA, I, I don't think I don't know if teams would go for it or how they would do it. But there has to be like a limit on how there is a limit on how far out, right? These picks there's, can be. There's a limit on how many of the picks you can trade. Okay. Well, we need a limit on how far out because this is just fucking stupid. What value is that? like? I guess the value is like up in the air as of right now. But they're basically betting that I guess Milwaukee will be dog shit in five to six years. Yeah. Yeah, that's their bet. Their bet is that Milwaukee will be worse than Portland in six years. Which uh, just want a quick note here about six years from now, uh, Giannis will be 34. I'm going to go ahead and guess Giannis is still going to be an NBA player in six years. Yeah, and I'm guessing even though he may be winding down at 34, maybe he would have hit his peak and is on the down, the down slope. I think he'll still be very, very good. So Yes, agreed. Um, in their defense, Chris Middleton, uh, I'm pretty sure will be 45 in six years. So, so Yeah. For them. You think at first the Bucks were like, you want Chris Middleton? They were like, no. Hold on, hold on. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so the Bucks obviously get Damian Lillard. Uh, it's Dame time. The man, the myth, the legend. An actor in his own right. Uh, he was in like two scenes of the new Space Jam movie. And, uh, and a rapper. All right. That's what I was going to say. Making sure okay. you brought up his, his bars he lays down. 
I did say Dame time. Also, uh, a, a man known to tell us that Hulu has live sports. Mm-hmm. Sons, who somehow got involved in this, get Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, Kenyon Johnson. The Blazers are still expected to move Drew Holiday before the season starts. So we'll talk about that in a second. But Mike, first reactions. Who won, um, who lost, who came in the middle? So Portland did, I'm going to say Portland did okay. We'll have to wait. I mean, retroactively in the year 2029, you could grade this as a fucking steal. <laughs> um, depending on how the picks work out. Uh, I mean, the Suns get some depth, which they needed. Everybody said they were just really top heavy. Um, and they also like, they've had a hard on for DeAndre Ayton for years and wanted to get rid of him. So they finally did. They had a hard on for him, but wanted to get rid of him. Yeah. I think of having a hard on for someone, it means like a negative connotation. Like I have it out for you. Wait, what do you think the context of hard on is? So yeah, I feel like they've really had it out for DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> Not out for him, but they've just like for the last what two or three off seasons, there's been all this talk. And well, they kind of... yeah, they like literally were like, "Nah, we're not resigning you." Then someone signed him to an offer sheet, and they went, "All right, we'll match that." Yeah, and it's funny because like it, all the Ayton stuff started with him having beef with Monty Williams, and then Monty Williams leaves, and they're like, "Yeah, Ayton, you're still not safe though." But like, you're going to fucking Portland. Uh, so I do want to talk a little bit about what the Suns got, but once again, I just can't get past this, Mike. What do you think a hard on is? <laughs> like in which term and in, in like in the in term they have their... a hard on for something what do you think a hard on is i just feel like if you had a hard on for someone you were just like like not really like in a good or bad way you were just like super like focused on them like i got a fucking hard on for you bud like I'm coming after you bud so you think having a hard on means that you are focused on something agnostic to how you feel about it all right, how would you just tell me what the slang term having, a, you know, the Hard euphemism. means an erection. Well, I know that. No shit, but people have used That's it as that way. That's what the term means, too. To having a hard on for something means that, yeah, that they're turning you on. I don't know. I don't know about this. This is, I don't know. We're going to have to take this one to Twitter, X, MySpace, all of them. All right, well, who do you think won the trade, Mr. Schmarty Pants, with your definition? Oh, what do you mean? It's It's Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. Milwaukee was a 57 win first overall seed. Uh, they get Dame Lillard and only have to give up some fucking jobber from Duke in addition to that and some picks. And not even like that big of a package of picks. Like no. Utah traded away their or Utah traded their second best player and got way more picks than this. Mm-hmm. Portland trades away their best player and goes, yeah, you know, Drew Holiday. Two pick swaps and a first. It was Dame Lillard holding someone hostage and was like, you trade me right now or I'm killing this guy. I, I just love that Miami did all the typical like recruiting and being like, yeah, we want Dame and like basically everything you can do to without like, I guess, getting hit for tampering, even though some people were like, hey, that's kind of tampering. Um, and then. I think Portland early on had some talks and then never called him back. And we're just like, nah, fuck you guys. You're not going to lowball us just because Dame and Jimmy Butler are talking to each other on Twitter or whatever. It's also a two way street. Cause like Dame was posting videos on his Instagram reel of him, like listening to like Miami rap, like Quavo and shit. Yeah. And so everyone was like, oh, he's telling the world he wants to go to Miami. Fuck you. Go someplace colder than Portland. Is this the second star they missed out on? Cause they missed out on Beal. 
and now they've missed out on well, stars is stretch with Beal. That's true, but like next big trade piece that was on the market. Who's the last big trade piece they even got? Does Kyle Lowry count? I mean Butler. Yeah, that's it, right? Yeah, that was it. I guess so, yeah, Lowry. That's fair. For a destination, they sure don't seem to land a lot of people. Yeah. So who was who would who ended up the most middle in this trade then? Um I think the Suns ended up most little or middle. <laughs> well, they also got Nasir Little, so they also ended up the most little. Um the most uh, little sounds like it should be an oxymoron, but I don't think it is. Yeah. Or it sounds like never mind. Um Portland, like once again, we'll have to wait to also see how the, like if they flip Drew Holiday for a nice package, they could come out looking very pretty. But how Off are they gonna flip Drew Holiday for more than they flip Dame for? That's true. When you kind of set the precedent of we got two starters, uh, and then we got picks that are like a millennium out. Um, you kind of set like a weird precedent for what you're going to get for Holiday, who isn't as big of a piece as Dame, even though Holiday, I mean, before, because like I woke up and I had to run to work. So all I saw was like your text and like the headline Dame gets traded to Milwaukee. And before I saw the details, I was like, if they somehow fucking kept Drew Holiday, that's not fair to have like an amazing offensive guard and then an amazing defensive guard on the same team would be fucked up. But obviously they didn't. I think it's pretty phenomenal that they made a three-team trade to get Dame Lillard and managed to sit on Middleton and, and Lopez still. That's true. Like, that was all the speculation, that they had to move one of those guys to get a star to put next to Giannis. But they didn't. I mean, I like Drew Holiday as much as the next guy, but that's what the, that's all they had to give up? Drew Holiday and three picks? Yeah. If, if like, but if they had the, like, if you had the option, wouldn't you rather move Middleton, who I know he like had injuries, so that could attribute to what a down year he had. But you move Middleton for the offensive upside of Dame, and you keep Drew Holiday. Like that's what I would have preferred if I was Milwaukee. I think Middleton's a more versatile player than Drew Holiday. I like the defense yeah. with him, but if you have Brook Lopez and you have Giannis, you got defense already. I mean, I guess like Middleton's like a a, a pretty good defender. He's just lengthy as shit, so he can he can guard the perimeter. And whoever you put out there with Dame, it's like. Well, we kind of have to hide Dame on defense, so it's really death one way or death the other. But Middleton's a good scorer when he's on the when he's on the floor. Yeah, and when he gets going, he could have a big bounce back here. We don't know. And I also think that you're going to get a lot of really cool like pick and roll, pick and pop with those combinations, like with Dame as the the ball handler and pick and roll with like Middleton, Lopez, or Giannis. I mean, just lobbing it to Lopez or doing whatever the fuck he's going to do with Giannis or Middleton seems like that's really going to be where the money is. The only thing I ask of the Bucks this season, the only thing I ask of you, is to recreate the infamous Miami shot of Dwayne Wade lobbing it up to LeBron and holding his arms out with, with uh, Dame and, 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 and Giannis. Yeah. Like, it's all I want. So the other note to have here, well, like you said, I, I do want to hit on it really quick. The Suns do add some depth. They finally get off DeAndre Ayton, who they had a hard-on for. Uh, they get Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, Kenyon Johnson. That's... That's what they needed. I mean, you you could say, yeah. what, what did I say? You say Kenyon. Listen, man, I'm a working boy. I'm you doing came, stuff. I can't have came, a hard on for all these notes. So you came after me over hard on, so I'm coming after you over Keon. I'm sorry. Continue. A key on you. Um, the fuck was I talking about? Oh, everyone wanted to talk about how great that starting lineup was gonna be with Aiton, Beal, KD, 
uh, Booker and who's the other guy there? I'm missing someone. But anyways, now you you know you lose a step because Nurkic kind of sucks, but you get a lot more depth. You're able to sit some guys and actually have solid players on the floor. I like Nasir a little a lot. I like Grayson Allen if you really want to punch someone below the belt. Are you, were you thinking of Josh Okogie? Is that other guy you couldn't name? <laughs> yeah, Josh Okogie. Everyone's favorite defensive two guard, Josh Okogie. <laughs> That's who ESPN has starting at, at small forward. But then again, ESPN still has Aiton as their starting center. Now that shit website. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Okogie is a good defensive piece to, to put out there, especially with Bradley Beal being yeah. a, a net zero on the, the floor on defense. But if I can tack onto your point, like you have KD, Beal, and Booker. Like, you can afford to give away DeAndre, I think. Yeah, and Aiton wasn't happy there. The Suns weren't happy with Aiton. He hasn't played well since he got his big contract. That is a man who cared about getting paid, and that was it. Yeah, it but... hurts to have a number one overall pick fizzle out like that, but when you have Kevin Durant and Booker and, I guess, to a lesser extent, Beal, losing DeAndre Aiton doesn't hurt as much. Is he going to be happy, though, when they're like, Five and 15, 20 games into the season. I don't, I truly do not think DeAndre Ayton cares about much further than getting that second contract. It was something he talked about in college about how he wants to go to the league to get that second contract. And he played well in his contract year Mm -hmm. and hasn't played that well since. I truly believe that that was his goal, which I love it. You got to kind of love the hustle. I mean, if you're going to (laughs) be an athletic seven foot one unit. Might as well make some fucking money doing it. I I respect it. So I'm guessing the next thing you're going to talk about is where Holiday could go? Yep. Yep. So So Drew Holiday still supposed to get moved to uh, second team. Read some speculation on where he might go, but I had already written out some notes. So I'm going to go with my notes over the people that probably did more research than me. Oh, by the way, I reverse engineered this trade on the NBA trade machine. Didn't add any wins to any of the players. Or any of the teams. Wow. Everyone netted out zero. Okay. So I have I have four for you here. Um, a couple of them I couldn't make work, so they're not really trades. But I think my favorite, and one that I haven't really seen anyone talking about, but it just makes so much sense. The Warriors can trade Rudy Gay and Chris Paul for Drew Holiday. The contract, those two contracts fit like, nearly to the dollar inside the Drew Holiday deal. Drew Holiday, $36 million a year. Chris Paul, 30 31 something around there. And Rudy Gay, $6.4 million. I mean, it's like a perfect match. And the Warriors can't take on more, than, more money than they send out in a trade right now due to the CBA rules and since they're above the second apron. So this is like the one trade they can make to improve. And beyond that, the Warriors have all their own first-round picks through 2029. So you want a team, like this is the only trade the Warriors can make right now, is sending out Chris Paul and Rudy Gay with a boatload of picks and bringing back Drew Holiday to take some of the defensive liability off of aging Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, who's running two marathons a game still. Are you um in that situation, Do you, are you having Drew come off the bench? Or are you having Clay come off the bench? I don't know. It seems more situational. I guess I would initially say you slot Drew into what the Chris Paul role was going to be, have him coming off the bench. But I can see in the game scenarios where you're running out three guards or running Curry and Drew to have, like, in close games where you need the defense and offense. Or you, you can even go back to lineup of death style thing mm-hmm. where you go Curry, Drew, 
Clay. I don't know, some random four. I guess Wiggins and uh, Draymond. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun. I'd, be, yeah. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Next trade I had. Um, this one is just like, if if you had a team that wanted to start going all in, I'm not a big fan of this trade, but it was what I could put together. The Oklahoma City Thunder could trade uh, Bertans, Oladipo, and Trey Mann for Drew, as well as they have, you know, 16,000 picks. I think that they would be getting the best player out of that trade. And the second best player, like, is maybe Trey Mann. Like, that's, you know, Portland isn't getting much back there. So you can kind of see the rationale of Portland's like, we're going to tank and get another top lottery pick and send out Drew Holiday. And that kind of gives you a pretty solid, let's start competing core for OKC in their starting lineup. I mean, that's once again, the problem there is like too many guards, but that's always kind of been OKC's problem and they've always rolled with it. Yeah, I mean, everybody's kind of waiting to see how they weaponize their draft capital. So I still think it'd be so much funnier if they just never traded a pick. I'd love that. They They just drafted with every one of those. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to get a Mavs trade in there. I think that makes a lot of sense. The Mavs are, you know, have two players and nothing else. And those two players... Don't play defense, which hurts them. But there's no real trade that makes sense there. I like, it would kind of have to be based around Tim Hardaway, I think. But still, there's just like not enough pieces going out that really makes sense. Like Hardaway, Hardaway for Drew is an upgrade for a player, I think, but not like as massive of one as you might initially feel. Like Hardaway gets hot and can play better than Drew. It's like Drew's more consistent, but Hardaway's a better offensive player. I don't know, there's enough going on there. Um, It'd be nice to pair him against Kyrie, but there just wasn't a a trade that makes sense. Uh, And my fourth trade, and the one that I think might end up happening once we kind of start getting there, is Harden for Holiday plus picks. I I don't know how much Daryl Morey would want to do this. Daryl Morey has, like, repeatedly said that he's not sending Harden out. He's not letting the team get worse. And James Harden for Drew Holiday is a little bit of a downgrade. Like, James Harden's just kind of a better player than Drew Holiday. So it would be worse. And so because of that, you would expect the compensation coming back would be Portland sending picks with Drew Holiday for James Harden. And I don't know why they would do that. Yeah, I feel like there you're really hoping for guys like Maxi, et cetera, to pick up some of the offensive output that you're going to lose going from Holiday or Harden to Holiday. So I think if they really wanted just to be done with the Harden drama, Maybe they would do that. I, I've seen the like of the names teams that are being reported as being in on Holiday. The 76ers have obviously been one of them. Some of their fun ones I've heard is like, I think if Holiday goes to the Lakers, that makes them, depending on what they have to give up. I didn't really go into thinking about how they could pull it off, but I think Holiday ends up on the Lakers. That would be a that that could make them pretty fucking frisky in the in the West. LeBron um, for Holiday. Who says no? Who says no? Uh, <laughs> LeBron in Portland, so fucking weird. Um, and then, like, I heard the Celtics were interested. I don't even know. Like, I'm not sure how they'd pull that one off. And if they did, it just seems like... It seems unnecessary, like, adding another piece to a team that's already, like, one of the most... Probably one of the favorites to win the East next to, like, what, Milwaukee? Also, why would you... Yeah. Why would you trade away Marcus Smart? He's not there anymore. Yeah, but why would you trade away Marcus Smart to then trade for Drew Holiday? True. 
I agree. Um, Wouldn't make sense. So speaking of favorites in the East, I did want to point out that the Bucks line after this trade, I'll tell you that their their odds to win the title were plus eight fifty prior to the trade. What do you think their odds jumped to after the trade? They were minus one fifty before. Plus eight fifty. Why would plus anyone be minus money in case <laughs> I don't know. To win the title? You said or to win the whole to win the whole shebang plus eight fifty. Shebang. I bet you they dropped to plus seven hundred. Plus three seventy five. Holy shit! Yeah, that's what over fuck, like a fifty percent drop. What the fuck, guys? That is, well, that's like when KD went to the Suns and everything fluctuated heavy. Yeah, I, I got caught up in that one and bet the Suns over for the rest of the season and regret that. Um, yeah. And uh, also, the over-under for Bucks wins, 54 and a half. They beat that, I think, each of the last three seasons. But 54 and a half still seems really high to me. Yeah. Like, there's just enough variance in there to where I'm a little worried about betting anything. Like, any over-under higher than, like, 49 and a half. Yeah, it's kind of like on our bonus pod, we were talking about hockey teams. And, like, would you take anybody, like, plus, like, 120 points or more? And it's like, oh, they'd have to win 60 games to pull that off. And that, that while there's teams that good enough to pull it off, like, it's that's still a high number. I feel like the same thing with you start getting into like the mid fifties for any NBA team. It's like that that's doable for a lot of them, but it's still over the course of a long season with injuries. It's it's still a high number to hit. I feel. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, say Giannis strains his calf and goes out for 13 games. Yeah. I mean, they could go like three and 10 in that stretch. And then they're, they're over under 54 and a half is just kind of fucked. Yeah, but then again, I feel like if I went back and actually looked at it, I'm totally wrong. So, only two teams topped 54 and a half last season. Oh, okay. It yeah. was the Bucks and the Celtics. Both in the East. Both in the East. The highest win total in the West was I think 51 or 52 with the Nuggets, who took the last two weeks off of the season. Yeah. So last point, because I know you're probably going to want to move on here soon, but um, I don't know if you said this, but this is pretty like uncharacteristic of Milwaukee, isn't it? Yeah, so I have a buddy who's a Bucks fan, and he was like, he, he he texted me and he was like, "I'm waiting for Woj to tweet out lol JK." Yeah, right. Like that's like, just it's just not in their nature. Yeah, to go out there and make a big splash and and get the big like expensive superstars like it's just usually not what they do. So props to like the last big trade they made was like let's go out and get Drew Holiday. Yeah, and they flipped him for Dame Lillard. Talk about that's that's some fucking buying a a Van Gogh before Van Gogh dies and then selling it 200 years later kind of profit, eh? Yeah, getting a let's bank. Let's bring in Drew return. Holiday and then, yeah, let's bring in Drew Holiday and then a few years down the road trade him for Dame Lillard. Yeah. All right, Mike, last night, as it was Thursday, and you know what Thursday means? One more day till AW Rampage. <laughs> <laughs> you can even get that one out without laughing. Uh, Thursday Night Football happened last night, uh, according to my numbers here. It was Detroit at Green Bay. Mm-hmm. That's it. You want to talk about the Falcons? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty one-sided game. Yeah. So, so final score, Detroit 34, Green Bay 20. The opening line for this game was Detroit minus one and a half, and the over-under was 46 and a half. So oh. Detroit covers, over hits. I, I was thinking... That- Fucking Christ, Mike. Sorry, we just have a we have a bad habit of like we both pause thinking the other person's gonna go and then uh 
I have some uh, some notes to go through here, but I wanted to see if you had any opinions before I dive into some shit I saw. I was just gonna say that that line when I saw it was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, Packers for like two and one, but like, come on. I also think that um, and you can agree or disagree on this. So I Jordan disagree. Love, I feel like it, the play has been kind of slowly declining since week one, and this I think was his worst performance in my opinion yet and so four games into his young starting career i'm kind of projecting him at like a Derek carr level or maybe maybe a modern day dak like he's going to be like definitely a starter and can hold down the starting job on a team but if you ask him if you ask him to go out there and win a game the results will be questionable so uh first i'll say you are drastically underrating dak second okay, i'll fair. say you're kind of underrating Jordan Love. I thought you were say you're kind of underrating Derek Carr. I was like, <laughs> wow, didn't expect that from you. So just quickly pulled this up. Through four games, he's right around like the 66, 67 grade per game on PFF. Not a decline in any specific direction. He had a much better second half than first half yesterday. Uh, but... Come on, man. Dak's like a top 10 quarterback. I don't know why we're always doing this with Dak. Is it because he threw a lot of interceptions last year? Is that what it is? Dak, Dak, like, you want to do the Dak to someone comparison? CJ Stroud's Dak. But we're also, fuck it, we're, we all got hard-ons for CJ Stroud. I'm not going to say anything about Stroud because I got notes on notes when we go to jerk him off later, so. Oh, uh, yeah, me too. I got, I got plenty of jerking Stroud's hard-on. What we're talking about? Um, but that's, that's the comparison there. CJ Stroud and Dak are like fucking same player. Same player, same steet. steet? same state mm-hmm. but jordan love is like tall russell wilson he wants to fucking huck it deep brother yeah. he wants to sit in the pocket and just air it out he's like uh he's like if you took all of the mass of drew Brees and put him on one of those like old school torture chambers where you're like cranking the thing and their body's stretching because it's two things. Quick game, deep ball. Yeah. Some takeaways I had from the game last night. This Detroit defense is legit. I mean, I, I was coming off. I was just watching their tape against Atlanta from the previous week when they kind of dog-walked Atlanta, too. This defense is legit, man. Like, if just to, to name some players on it, like Aiden Hutchinson, who's like poor man's Miles My, Garrett, like very poor man's like street urchins, Miles Garrett. Like, they have him lining up three-tech. They have him lining up five-tech. He's bouncing between gaps pre-snap. If you, like, squint and kind of fuss up your eyes and maybe stand a little too far away from your TV, you can kind of see a little bit of Max Crosby in his game. But they got... What's up? You got a Max Crosby thought? Oh, no. I was just going to say Detroit... Not playing this week. Detroit, like, grade-wise... PFF grade wise is, like, ranked 14th in defense, but this early in the season where one game can really, like drag your like grade down like that that um seattle game that was like so high scoring yeah that's gonna affect that and they're still above like the middle point in the league so i think by the time the year ends that they'll be like possibly a top 10 defense outside aiden hutchinson alex anzalone what like i said been watching some detroit tape fuck can that guy play that's our middle linebacker white guy long hair clay matthews kind of guy he uh early in the game last night he had this big-ass jump, like, straight up in the air to tip a pass that got picked behind him. And he's just, like, 
Fuck, man, he's moving east to west across that whole defense. He's in on, like, half the tackles. I, like I said, I was, I was watching him in that, uh, that Falcons game, and he's just flying around that Falcons game. And then I turn on Thursday Night Football, and he's flying around in the Packers game. Alex, Alex Anzalone could be, like, one of those guys that, when it comes uh, all pro time and the AP sends us our, you know, verified we're definitely parts of the media ballot to vote mm-hmm. for all pro, Keep an eye on Alex Anzalone at middle linebacker. No, I I mean I'm not I'm not fighting you on any of these these takeaways from Detroit. I, I like their secondary, Brian Branch, CJ Gardner Johnson. That's that's the other one I, I wanted to point out, yeah. Brian Branch. I was a big fan of Brian Branch going into the draft. Um coming Second out of pick. Bama. Yeah, I don't he shouldn't have been there. He should yeah. not have been in this like I like I've said I don't know how the Lions galaxy brain to be in like, hey, we can take uh, fucking Jameer you can Gibbs. take Gibbs followed up by Jack Campbell and then don't worry Brian Branch was be sitting there to help us in the in our secondary which was piss poor last year so Seriously, it was crazy if you just switched their first and second rounds everyone would be losing their mind over how good that draft was like yeah. if you just if you had them take Brian Branch in the first round and then two second round picks where they took Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell you'd be like great day one or Great first two rounds. Is day one just round one? Yeah. Day two is two and three. Okay. And so on. Yeah. And like, once again, I know it doesn't like pop out to the eyes. Four catches. I think it was like, what? 49 yards for my boy, legit Laporta, Samuel L. Laporta. Oh yeah. He's trying to save my fantasy week because your boy put David Montgomery on his bench. Oh no. Started Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, Montgomery didn't have the most efficient day, but they kept feeding him, and he put up numbers. Three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. 3.8 a carry, though. So, yeah. Also, I had Devon Achan uh, on my uh, my bench last week. <laughs> Bad week for your – or great great couple weeks for your bench running backs, not for yeah. your uh, your scoring. <laughs> uh, also, fun to point out here, first half, Lambeau crowd booing the Packers. Must be fucking nice, eh? Back in my day, yeah. we didn't even have enough quality team success football to field a decent team in FedEx field. And now they've had so much team success that they're booing their own team. Must be fucking nice. Yeah, but they're, they're 400 now after they're like, you know, one of their greatest players of all time just left. And they bring in this kid who has like no starting experience, who's a total like wild card. And you start out two and two. Like, why are you complaining? Yeah. And guess what? He's looked solid. And, like, you still got Mike LaFleur there, Matt LaFleur, whichever LaFleur, 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 something there. Is that anything? Sorry, LaFleur. Thank you. <laughs> like, if uh, Medea was, was like, on this podcast, that's how Tyler she would Perry, say his name. Tyler Perry presents the Green Bay Packers. Yes. Matt LaFleur um, and Jordan Lerve. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. And then also, like, obviously, game script changed how much they could focus on this. But, I mean... They just totally shut down the run. Like, it was like, yeah, Aaron Jones is back. Aaron Jones only had five attempts for 18 yards. Ooh, they were popping him, too. Every time yeah. Aaron Jones got out into open field, they were giving him the fucking lumber, brother. They had mm-hmm. a hard-on for Aaron Jones last night. I feel like Jones, especially, like, week one, was such a big part of them, like, running out to, like, that massive, I mean, not impressive. It was against Chicago. But, like, they go up to that big lead, and then it was kind of like whatever game over, like, by the time he got hurt. Um, so, like, if anything, I'm impressed that, over the last two weeks without him, the Packers picked up a win in general. So, once again, they're booing. They need to sell the fuck down. <laughs> uh, 
Next, I, I do think we have to have the conversation. Is Jared Goff good now? Is he good <laughs> is this, now? Is this the modern day? Is Joe Flacco elite? Yeah. <laughs> is that what this is? I mean, I'm sure we're going to get to like November 20th and Jared Goff will be playing like, I don't know, at New England or something and just get absolutely dog watching. We'll go, oh, that's right. Tiny hands, not good. But for now, like, Jared Goff good? Is Jared Goff good? Um, currently the uh, fifth grade highest graded uh, QB in total offense. If we switch that to just passing, though, he's also the fifth um, at, at at an eighty one. So yeah, he's playing very very good. I mean, Sean McVay got that great season out of him, and then it was one bad season, and McVay was like, "I'm done with you. You disgust me." I do feel like somehow Ben Johnson is getting even an even better couple seasons out of Jared Goff than Sean McVay did. I feel like he's getting a much more much more consistent couple seasons. And also it doesn't feel like, like the McVeigh years felt like he was the good McVeigh year. It felt like McVeigh was fighting a way to hide some of Jared Goff and to make him serviceable. This feels like Ben Johnson is highlighting some of the things Goff can do. He's even, he's even like having Goff do things outside of his comfort zone. Right before the two minute warning, there was this play where Jared Goff, gets like pressure right up the middle just after the snap and like fucking boots out to his left and throws a pass to Laporta on the move while he's covered just outside the corner's reach. And Laporta catches it for like a 20 yard gain. Yeah. I mean, he does have a pretty high fumble grade at 88.2. You don't, you don't have to read every stat off there. <laughs> I know. I was just being a, I was just being a smart ass with that one. Uh, uh, but no, speaking of reading every stat, one. his current MVP odds are plus 3000. I mean, who you want to bet some three hundred right? to one MVP odds? I mean, he just goes on a tear. The Lions go like what thirteen and four, number one seed in the, in the NFC. Who knows? So, worth pointing out, second half, Packers come out. They start running more quick game. They're finding these big chunk plays in the zone. They get some very fortuitous penalties. Move down the field. Get a real quick touchdown off some very nice Jordan Love plays. Then, uh you know, just kind of get outpaced by bad luck. They, it was just, they were too far behind to start with. Like they were never going to come back, but they put up a couple good drives. Uh, <laughs> I have a note that I, where I called uh, Jordan Love, Jordan Unitas in the second half, runs a touchdown of dropping a deep ball in the basket of Jaden Reed and gets the great touchdown pass taken away by Reed, not toe tapping. Um, but then, you know, the game ends because Quay Walker decides he wants to jump over the line and be all fucking cool and not even block the kick. Yeah. 10-yard penalty on a field goal that would have given the Packers the ball back in a two-possession game. Instead, Lions get to run some more time off the clock. They get the touchdown. And then uh, Jordan Love throws a fucking terrible pick to end the game. Unfortunate, but, you know, as much as I said, I think Love projects to be a Derek Carr level. First season, he's basically a rookie when it comes to being a starting quarterback. And you asked him to hold his own. Um and survive top tier like pass rushing players like Aiden Hutchinson. I don't know if I call Aiden Hutchinson top tier. I think he's on his way to being top tier. It's like Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, fucking Nick Bosa, top tier. And second yeah. tier, you get like you know Joey Bosa, Max Crosby. Maybe Aaron Donald here, something like that, like that military. And then I think the tier below that might be Agent Aiden Hutchinson's sweet spot, like third tier pass rusher. He's not causing as much chaos as some of those top end guys. 
he's very early on in his career. So don't I, if I was I'm buying stock on the Hutch, and I'm not buying stock on Joey Bosa, who's part of the 21st ranked Chargers pass rush. So yeah. that's why I definitely didn't put Joey Bosa in the top top uh, yeah. tier there. That's that's fair. All right, are we are we moving on? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you hate talking about football that much, I guess we could talk about other stuff. No, more football. More. Oh, football. Okay, just make sure. More. <laughs> So, Mike, I have a, a game set up here. We're going to play best outcome, worst outcome. I like this. I, got, uh, I have four teams for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you what I believe to be their best possible outcome, which means with their current setup, what would you be hoping for this team to do? And then their worst possible outcome, which means with their current setup, what would be the worst possible outcome? So f- it's not that every team's worst outcome is 0-17 and everyone's best outcome is Super Bowl. Understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and this is on how this year ends up, correct? Yes. And going forward, got it. Yes. And uh, what I want you to do, Mike, is we'll talk through each team's best outcome, worst outcome, see if you agreed, and then I want to get what percent chance you ascribe to them achieving their best outcome and what percent chance you ascribe to them attaining their worst outcome. Now, it is worth a reminder that those numbers don't have to add up to 100% because right. they could land somewhere in the middle. Murphy's Law. There could be different outcomes, man. Murphy's Law. I hate you. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm standing I, behind my bookcase just smacking it right now <laughs> I do kind of want to watch Interstellar now banger dude alright fucking banger alright Mike so first up the Jets of New York a team you're very familiar with as they beat Buffalo in week one Jets of New Jersey but sure so Mike for their best possible outcome I have a deep playoff run so what I believe to be what sets up a deep playoff run is that they have to leverage their future this year to trade for a better quarterback. Because, uh, not, not start, might be a hot deck, not really starting to believe in the Zach White. Zach White. <laughs> what the fuck's his Zach, last? I, Zach Wilson. Zach I Wilson. broke myself. I broke myself reading Mike White's name and I was like, wait, what's the quarterback there? Uh, the Zach Wilson future anymore. I know, probably putting a pin in him too early. Starting to think he's not going to be a very good quarterback. Um, <laughs> So here are some possible quarterbacks that I think they could bring in to uh, replace him. First, Kirk Cousins. Second, the aforementioned Mike White, currently a backup in Miami. Third, Carson Wentz, free agent. Fourth, Russell Wilson, who, by the way, currently ninth in EPA per play. Hmm. So, Mike, saying that they pick up one of those or any other quarterback you can throw out there who is better than Zach Wilson, which, I mean, close your eyes and throw a dart and you'll find a quarterback better than Zach Wilson. Do you think that's their best possible outcome? That they trade for a quarterback and can make a, de- a playoff run? A deep playoff run, yeah. A deep playoff. What, what do you describe as deep? Second round, third round? Second round. Make it Second past round. wild card round. Win okay. at least one playoff game. Yeah. Um, and do you want my percentage here or just my opinion? Just your opinion on if they could, if this is their best possible outcome. We'll do percentage in a second. Yeah, that that's their best possible outcome as far as if you're creating that on success this year. I think I agree. Best possible outcome. All right. So for their worst possible outcome, I have that they're a middling team because they have the talent there. So say, think like picks 10 to 15 in the draft. And Aaron Rodgers decides to retire after rehab doesn't go as well as, they, as he expected. So we'll say they win seven to nine games, mid-first round pick, which means they have no shot at a future franchise quarterback. 
I think being a middling team would be probably the worst outcome. I would add one difference to that. Mm-hmm. And that is that they're a middling team. And because you said Rogers rehab doesn't go as well and he doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. I'm flipping that. I think if they decide like, no, we're still good. We got 40 year old Rogers coming out, coming back with one Achilles tendon. I think that's the worst possible outcome. Okay. So you think 40 year old Rogers coming back after this is the worst possible outcome. Yeah. So you think they're screwed if Rogers decides to play football next year? Yeah, because I think they could, if not, they could try to get in on another quarterback in the offseason who would be more serviceable than Zach Wilson. But if they decide to go with Rodgers, then they can't do that. I'm a little prone to disagree with you on that. I think Rodgers is better than Zach Wilson, but it's picking nits at that point, really. I, I would rather have 40 year old yeah. Rodgers than any age Zach Wilson. Although I True. think that there's some MILF joke in here. I just can't figure out how to quite get there. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Mike. So we have best possible outcome, deep playoff run, worst possible outcome. Pick 10 to 15. Mike, what percent chance do you give to each of those outcomes? Those trades are just so fucking sparse, especially during the season in the NFL. I'm going to put best possible outcome at 15%. I'm going to put worst possible outcome because you're spot on. Their defense is good. It can keep them in games, as you've seen. Um, I'm going to put worst possible outcome at like 55%. Slightly over half, you know half a chance there all right so look for the uh the jets to skew towards a mid first round pick and for either rogers to retire and they have to go with zach wilson or rogers to come back all right mike next up we have the uh broncos of denver so for their best possible outcome i have a top two pick in the nfl draft so they own their first pick now what hurts this is that they did trade away their second round pick to get sean payton's contract and they'd be able to replace Russell Wilson. Although, I will say, with a lot of asterisks, small sample size, you know, competition, coming from behind in, in leads, Russell Wilson's quietly been playing pretty solidly so far this year. Can't really blame him for the blowout. He wasn't on defense, you know? He kind of locked up the, in the, uh, the Washington game. But besides that, he's been moving the ball. He hasn't been turning it over. He's getting outside the pocket occasionally again. Quietly been good, but that's the best possible outcome I have. T- top two pick. Yeah, I think outside of week one, where it was a low-scoring game and Rust couldn't go out there and get him the dub, the last two weeks haven't been his fault. Like, the defense has just been lit up the last two weeks. So, I agree. Not, not, it's, been Russell, it's been not Russell Wilson's fault more than it has been this season. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Them to start figuring out a way to get an actual franchise quarterback, top two pick, Williams, May. Um, I agree. That is their, their best possible outcome. I do also want to say, going back to the last topic real quick, I think that there's going to be some smoke in a couple weeks on the Wilson to the Jets move. I don't think that that's Peyton's guy. The Denver ownership is probably a little sick of Russ being all Russell Wilson-y. And I think that Russell Wilson is a better quarterback than the other available options outside of maybe Kirk Cousins. I think there's going to be some smoke on that, especially if Denver loses to Chicago this week. I think we start seeing some smoke on Russ getting moved. Yeah, if I can just add a point to that, I know like the dead cap situation would suck for a minute there with Russ, but keep in mind that if the top one or two pick comes out, you're going to get a possibly future like franchise, longtime franchise quarterback on a cheap rookie deal for three years. And then if, you know, maybe Jarrett Stidham, you get, you get, 
you can take time to get some snaps to him to see see what you actually have. Most likely, the preseason was just the preseason. You don't have much in him, but at least you could spend the rest of the season seeing what that is. Jared Stidham blows. Um, <laughs> you just hate Auburn. Yeah, that's what I've always said, you know? Just fucking hate Auburn. I hate him, hate Cam Newton, can't name any other players from Auburn. So their worst possible outcome is, I think, if they win just enough to run it back. And I don't mean run it back, Russ and Sean Payton. I mean defense, run it back. Don't make moves to improve in the future. Make moves to improve now. I think that this is a team that needs a lot of rebuilding, and it's not all on Russ. And part of rebuilding is needing draft capital. And I think that if you move the opposite direction to try to improve the time now, that's where you run into problems. My fear with them actually hitting this worst possible outcome is that their best possible outcome is not on the same timeline as what Russell Wilson and Sean Payton are likely to want, which is to win now. Yeah, I agree. The worst case scenario is definitely if they decide to run it back. I will say that what can help Broncos fans in avoiding running it back or the other possible thing is we know how Denver loves to just keep telling themselves they're a QB away. So go out, get a Cousins, or do this. It's it's how Russ ended up there. They keep thinking there's they're a, a QB away ever since Peyton Manning came in and ironically won him a Super Bowl in his worst year of his career. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what helps them is the Wilson contract and his dead cap, where even if they traded him you know, or something, they could not pay the money to try to go out there and get that QB that they're just one away from. So uh, I do agree it's the worst possible outcome. And it would be the most likely one once I, again, because of that cap space. So I was looking at this trend. Week one, Denver's defense gives up 17 points. Week two, they give up 35. Week three, they give up 70. My prediction against the Bears, they give up 140 points. They just keep doubling it up. Yeah, they keep doubling it oh up. You'd be real fucked by week 17, brother. They give up 140 points and somehow Justin Fields still plays like shit. Yeah, you have 140 points. Justin Field goes eight for 12 for 99 yards. Uh, Khalil Herbert is on oxygen after the game after <laughs> running for 560 yards. All right, Mike, best possible outcome. Broncos get a top two pick. Worst possible outcome. They talked themselves into running this team back. Let me hear your percentages. I think best possible outcome is very much in play because this is not a good football team. I'm going to say top two can be tough because there's some really, really bad teams out there. So I'll say it's just... I'll put it at 50% chance right now that that happens. And then worst possible, which is they run it back. Um, I'm going to go another 50. I think it's a 50-50 yeah, scenario. Yeah. yeah. I think that this is the team of extremes. You mm -hmm. are either going to get their worst or best possible outcome here. Because it's not like they're going to go on a tear and end up like 12-5 and five in the top wild card and win a couple playoff games. That's not happening. You're getting one of these two things. Absolutely. All right, Mike, next up, we have the uh, fighting Mike McDaniels, the Dolphins of Miami. Mm. <laughs> so they are 3-0 straight up and 3-0 against the spread. That's usually a pretty good indicator for team quality when they're, they're outpacing Vegas like that. They have the highest EPA in general in the league, highest EPA per dropback, highest success rate, and highest point differential. Worth noting, a little skewed on the point differential side of things. Maybe throw that one out for a few more weeks. Mike, I have their best possible outcome as a Super Bowl team. Do you think that is well within play? I think it's in play. 
And now you're not saying win. You're just saying make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, because I'm not willing to, to ascribe a Super Bowl win to anyone until we get to the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. I think that you're asking a little much. Um, based on this is the first year that, I mean, early in the season, and they've come out just looking like fucking world beaters. Uh, still in a conference with the Chiefs. Who knows if the Bengals pull a magic trick again and turn it around. Um, so I think really their best possible outcome, like I'd be, I think it's fair to say their best possible outcome would even be like an AFC East championship game. But I guess what I'm grading it on is, is that outcome possible? So I'd say, yeah, being a Super Bowl team. Yeah, you're correct. All right, Mike. And then for their worst possible outcome, I actually have two roads to go here that I think could lead to their worst possible outcome. Now I don't have a, I don't have a measurable here. I just have two things that I think could derail their season. Hit me. The first is obvious. Tua gets hurt. Now, it's worth noting, injuries, especially concussions, are extremely random. I mean, you look at, you know, Anthony Richardson, where everyone likes to be like, oh, Anthony Richardson's injury prone. Look at him. Already has a concussion. It's so weird, the different ways you can get concussions in the NFL. I don't think that, I think that we have a bad habit of saying, we have to watch out for Tua to get a concussion. We have to watch out for Tua to get a concussion as much as we have to watch out for any quarterback to get a concussion. But the wheels come off the fucking truck if Tua gets injured and is out for a significant amount of time. I mean, like, you know, let's say on, on Sunday against the Bills in the third quarter, he goes to run, Jordan Poyer comes down, Tua plants to go around him and tears his MCL. That's... Uh, bad. What's Sorry. up? Bad example. Jordan, Jordan Poyer was announced to be out for the game. <laughs> Well, that'd be really surprising. That's yeah. really what's going to fuck two up is when Jordan Poyer in his street clothes comes after him. But that's, I think that's, that's the main, what, what could derail the, the, this season. And then you have, you know, kind of a no man's land as, as everyone gets a year older, the defenses figure out Mike McDaniel's scheme a little bit more and you lose another year of, you know, Tua's prime before you're going to be paying him Joe Burrow money. Mm-hmm. Uh, worth noting, while I was doing research for this, Tua Tungvaluwa, currently the betting favorite for MVP, also currently second for comeback player of the year. Behind DeMar. Yeah, but yeah. if DeMar Hamlin continues to never take a snap during the season and Tua continues to continue taking snaps during the season, I think we see Tua win it. Have Once we again, ever had a comeback player and MVP in the same year be the same player? No, I don't think that's ever happened. But once again, I just want to say that DeMar Hamlin was announced as he will be active for the Miami game because of the player injury. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so to comment on your worst possible outcome, I'm still not done. I have one more. Oh, I have I'm one, yeah. One more route here. My other concern is that Mike McDaniel stops doing whatever drugs he's doing and his like insane offensive approach comes back down to earth. I mean, it's, you know, haha jokes, Mike McDaniel, you know, meme Lord or whatever. But really the thing I'm saying here is, if defenses figure out Mike McDaniel and this offense really slows down, I think it's worth worrying about because I think they have the talent to do what they are doing and not other things. Like you don't want Tyreek hitting like comebackers and running like quick game West coast offense. You want Tyreek. This offense work because Tyreek and Jalen Waddle can outrun every player on the defense. Yeah. I'll start my retort by saying that if there was any, coach in the league that I look at and think that while he's putting together his game plan, he is just has like a mound of cocaine next to him, like Scarface, and is just snorting lines and be like, 
All right, no more we're going to do. <laughs> uh, I think it'd be Mike McDaniel. I think the worst possible outcome of your three is... Because I also think it's the... All right, I'll say this. I think it's for sure the Tua injury because then not only does that derail the season, it also is another year of go- wondering, like, would Tua have kept that pace up? Would he have been that guy all year? So I think that's not for the worst possible outcome. This, the other one of defenses just figuring them out and them totally, like, starting to digress is another thing because uh, then it shows that, that that was not sustainable and then you start questioning, well, if teams figured it out during the season, then what are they going to look like going forward? Yeah, and I after what we've seen from Mike McDaniel, I think that that'll be a speed bump that he's able to overcome. But if that hits them in the middle of the season, like say they play, you know, like a Vance Joseph team or, I don't know, the Panthers and Ejiro Evero figures some shit out or one of those like top quality defensive coordinators, the Bengals with Lou Lamorello, like one of these guys figures something out and it's like the too high shell we had two years ago. And it's just oh, fuck, here's how we stop them. Let's just do this. And people are able to just shut down that offense for half the season. I'm sure they'll come back next year in great shape, but they would have lost a prime contention year if defenses figure them out halfway through the year. Yeah, I agree. All right, Mike, let's get your percentages. Making it to the Super Bowl, man, that is a, that is a hefty uh, ask, especially when you consider that, it, you know, any given Sunday. Yeah, they have to win at least four more games. Yeah, so they're looking very good. I'm going to put making it to the Super Bowl right now. If this is the team, if this is who they are, uh, at 30%. 30%. Yeah. So 30%. I will say, um, while you talk about worst possible outcome, I'm going to pull up their odds and tell you what their implied odds currently are. I might change it to 25%. Oh, you um, can't change it. It's too late, Mike. It's going to okay. uh, And then worst possible outcome, any one of those three... I think it's like another very possible, but I just got so early in the season to be asking me this. I'm going to say there's like a 30% chance. One of those, not the Tua injury, but one of the other two could happen. So if you think there's a 25% chance they make the Super Bowl, it is still worth betting their line because their current implied odds at plus 550 give them a 15.38% chance of making the Super Bowl. So, if you truly believe 25%, still worth betting their, uh, their conference championship odds. I changed my mind. I changed it to 15.38% chance. I'm a genius. Yeah, thanks, bud. Thanks, bud. <laughs> really appreciate All it there. All right, Mike, we got one more team for Boy. this game this week. We have the uh, Juggernaut Bears of Chicago. Currently 0-3. Look like they're the worst team in the league. Bound for a top-end pick. They do have Carolina's pick, so that's worth considering with all of this. So I have their best possible outcome, similar to Denver, with a top two pick, but more accurately, two top five picks. Mm -hmm. I have their best possible outcome as they get one of the top two picks with their own pick, and then just cross their fingers that Bryce Young comes back to tank the Carolina season so they get another top five pick. So they're 0-3 right now in the worst team in the league. Their next two weeks, soft competition, Denver and Washington. If they can't win either of those, uh, it's, it's Caleb William watch time. That is, like... Whoever their quarterbacks or whoever their coach is going to be next year, say, I don't know, Ben Johnson, should spend some time every week watching Caleb Williams and figuring out the best way to utilize his skill set. Because if they lose to Denver and Washington, it's time to shut it down. Yeah, you can just go to the worst possible outcome because that's 100% right. Yep. 
then uh, worst possible outcome, I have 6 and 11. Specifically, 6 and 11. If they go 6 and 11 and Fields tops 1,000 rushing yards and throws 20 forward passes all season, I think that they might talk themselves into him again. Like, if he tops 1,000, their defense is able to hold people to under 20 for a few games. They pick up six random wins. What if they talk themselves back into this? What if Eberflus talks himself back into the job? What if they decide Justin Fields is, in fact, the answer? Yeah, that is, once again, 100% the worst possible outcome. And it's also very much in play. Um, not very much in play. Part of it is them somehow talking themselves back into Fields, being like, oh, they once again being like, oh, put the team around them. Um, it's very much possible. I'll wait till we get to my percentages before I say the other point. Okay, well, I'm ready for the percentages, so... Okay, so I'm going to start with worst possible in this point and say that this team is so fucking bad. Like, they will need the defense to make a big turnaround to keep them in games for them to win six games. I, I just don't see it happening. So I'm going to say their worst possible outcome is going to be, like, in play, but let's say, like, 20% chance. So um, just worth pointing out, once again, talking about how bad their team is, I can never get over this in a team that needs depth at just about every position, they traded mm-hmm. the number 32 pick for Chase fucking Claypool. Yeah. Notre was, Dame fame. You may have, oh, you, you covered, uh, you covered me, uh, you know, and having to mention that. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. A minute ago, if you saw me looking at my phone, it's because I got some like Bleacher Report update and I didn't like watch the video to see the quote, but I guess Claypool threw shade at the team for his like his usage or something. I don't know. Uh, but to go to the best possible outcome, I absolutely agree. That's what it is. The They will have a top five pick based on their own pick. The Panthers one, and you know, NFC uh, South can get weird. Derek Carson so this time now. Yeah, I do think that that very well will end up being two top 10 picks, but two top five, I don't know. So I'll put that also at 20%. Can I implore FanDuel to let me bet most turnovers in the next four weeks, Jameis Winston or the field? Yeah, I will put so much money on that. That would be such a fun bet to root for. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike, that's all the teams that I have best worst outcome for. Um, let me ask you this. Do you think this was the best outcome or the worst outcome for this segment? I like the segment. I feel like we should do some more teams next week. So Okay, well, I that, guess that you know, just you. give me more work. I see how it is. Yeah, I mean, just I can working. come up. We can always, flip it. I can always come making me work. work. All right, that's so all you ever want me to do. Game of the week, baby. Game of the week. Mike, I think we both probably have the same game here. I'm Denver at <laughs> Chicago. It's waiting for your sarcastic. Over under 39 and a half. Yeah. All right, Mike, the obvious game of the week this week, Miami at Buffalo. Uh, I heard yeah. someone complaining that this game should always be at Miami in the first game of the year and always at Buffalo in the second game of the year. My response to that is put all the games in uh, domes and then it doesn't matter. Fuck domes. <laughs> I, I best outcome for the NFL is to put every fucking game in a dome. Real men play outdoors. Hey, guess what? You know what makes basketball great is they don't have to try to dribble the ball on fucking snow. That is such a ridiculous, like, I don't know, like comparison or, or you want them to, to play. Make. You want them to play ice hockey outside in Arizona. Is that what you, you want? want? You want all soccer to be in domes too? Yeah. You want every all, fucking sport in the You want all, all baseball and all cribbage and all, all. I don't give a fucking shit about any of those, but yeah, sure. 
Put every sport in a dome. Let's see who the best athlete is, not who gets lucky with weather. We'll, we'll never you know what else is dumb? This. You know what else is fucking dumb? When they have the Olympics and they run track and field outdoors. It's the Olympics. It happens once every four years. Why are we letting weather affect anything? They fucking drug test every player. They're like, well, we can't let everyone get an advantage. But if someone is like a top-level sprinter from, you know, fucking Iceland, and the Olympics are in South Africa for some reason, they're screwed walking in. It's going to be too fucking hot. We'll just, we'll, just, we'll just never agree on this. I, I have what nothing to say to you. Again? Are we talking about we're Dame talking, Lillard trade? We're talking Dolphins Dame Lillard traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> we're talking Dolphins Bills, and we got to get into it, because I have a fuckload of notes, and I know we're, like usual, we're always running along. Are we really? I have no idea. It feels like we've been talking for 45 minutes. Oh, we're over an hour. Fucking Christ, bud. Fucking Christ, we got to get moving. All right, Mike. Uh, so, Miami at Buffalo. Uh, consensus best game of the week. Miami plus three, over under at 53 and a half. Walking in, Miami three and oh. Buffalo two and one. The winner will take the lead in the AFC East. Tua, first currently in EPA per play. Josh Allen is seventh. Miami has the first ranked offense by success rate. Once again, it's worth throwing out last week. Last week is an anomaly that you will never see again. Buffalo, third ranked offense by success rate. Buffalo has the second ranked defense on EPA per play. However, I have concerns about their team speed against Tyreek. I definitely agree on the speed point. Also, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the Poyer being out situation is very detrimental because this game is, as far as the Dolphins offense versus Buffalo's defense matchup, is going to be de like decided in the middle of the field. Uh, if you break down uh, Tua's passes, not including passes behind the line of scrimmage, he has gone to the left side of the field 18 times, the right 20, and went to the middle 45 which tracks yeah. for a team that has Tyreek fucking Hill. They fucking Jaylen love Waddle. that deep crosser. Mm -hmm. They love it. They're like, yeah. all right, Tyreek, just go up and in. All right, yeah. like, and the, they'll do that with like Jalen and Tyreek on either side. And they'll just go poop right across mm -hmm. from each other. Now, Buffalo's biggest strength defensively is their coverage. They're the number two graded, uh, graded PFF team in coverage. Matt Milano, 10th graded linebacker. Um, Milano and Bedard both drop back just slightly over 50%. I think that's going to need probably be increased big time here because once again, no Poyer, they're going to have to find a way to, they're not going to shut downhill. They got to find a way to slow him down or really limit his yards after catch is going to be the big focus. You think they're going to go like college defense and just play cover three all game? I mean, they got to do something because I think, you know, if Poyer's in this game, you have the safety blanket of guys like Poyer and Hyde getting downfield to make the tackle on, on Hill. But Without Poirier, that just becomes so much more of a problem. And I love Demar Hamlin. It's going to be a great, like, uh, you know, great in the room. It's going to be good to have him back and a big boost, uh, energy boost for the team. But he's not, not great. So I don't know how much he'll help. I think he's really just going to be got activated to be, you know, take sparingly take some snaps because we need some people on the bench at the position. Uh, shout out Bills lead the league with seven interceptions. So I know Tua has how many? Does he even have one this season? I can look it up real quick. You keep talking about stats. Yeah, I'm not even sure he even has this has one this season. Um, you mentioned last week, like getting pressure rushing for or our last podcast, and if any I think pressure, I mentioned it every podcast. I think you do. Uh, yeah, every uh, podcast. Tua has three turnovers. Okay, three so receptions and a lost fumble. Okay, um, so Miami and Buffalo are one two in pass block per PFF. So how much pressure is actually going to happen in this game will be interesting to see. I think we're looking at, I mean, 
it's going to be a big time shootout. Uh, it's going to be what team has the ball last, I think. So without digressing and, and going on and on statistically, I'm just going to say this, people. Who's the pressure really on here? Is that, is that not on Buffalo? Oh, John pressure's on us. Oh, no. Here comes the mighty Miami Dolphins who have looked amazing through three games. Pressure's all on the Dolphins, baby. We're three-peat AFC East champions. Joshy, if if Rodgers owns the Bears, Joshy has a fucking fish tank where he owns these Dolphins, all right? Eight and two career against Miami. Skyler said almost beat you guys last year in the playoffs. 268 yards a game, 2.7, almost three touchdowns a game, only .5, half an interception a game, only gone down for 1.4 sacks a game, all right? Last two games, you can talk Skylar Thompson, whatever. I don't give a shit. Um, 704 total yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions in the last two regular season games by Josh against the Dolphins. All right. He thrives against Miami. And guess what? It is Buffalo early in the year. So the weather's going to be nice. There's going to be no snow causing problems. But then again, that's probably lucky for Miami because I don't know how two is going to do in the snow. But that's also an overblown talking point. Like, mm, I don't know. It's going to be cold. What's going to happen to the quarterback? <laughs> um, but. Tell that to Jared Goff, who falls apart every time he's in a temperature below 60. True. But the big reasons why I'm feeling good right now for Buffalo, all right? We haven't given up haven't given up a 300-yard game of offense yet. 289 against the Jets. It just keeps going down. Two, obviously, competition's not great, but 240 against the Raiders. Only gave up 230 against the fight in Sam Howells of Washington. Um, last week, and this is a big thing, because you can talk about quality competition. What is Washington very good at, Adam? Pass rush. Pass rush. And last week, we allowed zero sacks, just one QB hit, and 11 hurries. That is something to feel really good about going into this game. We can shut down the gink. Not going to let Van Ginkle go nuts on us. Um, No gink and no chub. Yeah. So I think Allen's going to have time to cook. I think the run is a place where we could excel and take advantage of Miami in this situation. However, I think game script will probably start to take that away late in the game because it's going to be a lot of throwing. It's going to be a knockout, dragout fight. But, uh, you know, in the end, in the end, it's the Bills. So once again, just worth noting, uh, Skyler Thompson, once again, almost beat the Bills uh, <laughs> in the playoffs. Second, do want to bring up, I'm actually going to differ with you on this in the sense that I think they go run heavy. I think the plan here is, how do you stop a high-powered scoring threat offense? Don't let them have the ball. You don't let them have the ball. I think we see a lot of James Cook, who has been phenomenal so far this season. And I think we see Buffalo's defense playing a lot of prevent, a lot of long coverages, slow down the offense, bend but don't break style defense. Let them move the ball on the quick West Coast game if they want. Don't let them get the explosive three-play, 60-yard touchdown drives. And I think that we see Buffalo have like a run-pass ratio that we haven't seen them have in a few years. I think that Josh Allen, his stat line is going to be more like 17 for 25 for 214, 215 yards, a touchdown, zero interceptions. And I think if you see that stat line, it means Buffalo won. Yeah, I, I one point of that I really agree on is that I think our defensive game plan is going to make Leslie Frazier blush. It's going to be so safe and boring. <laughs> it's going to be just don't let us get gashed for the big plays. Keep it all in front of us. It's going to be like a, be a hockey part coach made it be so safe and boring. Yeah, absolutely. You didn't say what Josh's uh, rushing stat line would be. You think he his legs oh, are going to play a big punt? Oh, I agree. See, I was going to say 704, but I'll give you the extra two. That, that we'll seems split the middle. Awesome. Call it, uh, 705. I'll take the over. You take the under. Yeah. Something interesting here that I noticed, because I was looking at like Tua's 
only has one sack on the year, which is fucking wildly low. Um, they faced in order from week one to three, 21st, 26th, and 27th ranked pass rush. Buffalo's ranked 25th, but when you watch the tape, I feel like they're better than that. I mean, they got nine sacks last week. Uh, mind you, Sam Howell holds onto the ball like it's his firstborn <laughs> child, so there's something to be said about that, and that offensive line is quite literally made of Swiss cheese. But they did get nine sacks. You don't wake up on the right side of the bed and get nine sacks. Yeah, so I feel like they're better than that, and we'll see if they can somehow get by this uh, Dolphins line to, to have an impact at the game. But last thing I'll say here is, once again, Dolphins have something to prove by beating us. So, good luck. Come after the champs. Best not miss. Is there any other games you want to highlight real quick that you're looking forward to? It's not exactly... Like, all joking aside, I'm a little fascinated to watch Denver-Chicago. Oh, yeah. What the I feel like, fuck is that game going to be? I totally agree, because this is going to be like... Once again, you got to throw 70-20 out. Like, you just got to erase it from memory. But whoever loses this game, it's going to be like, DEFCON 5, we are so fucked. Like, what do we do? And it'll be interesting. To, I feel like the Broncos would be more likely to, like, freak out losing to the Bears and start making crazy changes during the season. I feel like the Bears will just be like, well, fuck it. What are we going to do? You know the quote from Dark Knight where it's what happens when an immo- when a unstoppable force meets an immovable object? Yeah. It's like the opposite. It's like the Chicago offense against the Denver defense is what if a very movable object meets a completely stoppable force? What's going to fucking happen there? I mean, Justin Fields could have like 200 yards rushing or the Bears could get shut out. I mean, there's and anything in the middle. It's wild. Yeah, I also think it's interesting that because. we have the. It's interesting the undefeated or the winless teams because Vikings and Panthers are also playing each other this week. That's got to be Vikings, right? They're currently uh, line opened at minus three and a half. It's now moved to minus four and a half in favor of Minnesota. We're also we get a London game this week, so we have football from eight thirty in the morning until probably what ten o'clock at night. Yeah, and I will say I look forward to. Uh, you know, looking up the box score and, and all the highlights and recapping that game because you ain't get my ass up at, on, at 8.30 on a Sunday, but 9.30 for you, buddy. Um, oh, that's right. Uh, Still yeah, I'll, my ass up. I'll probably be at the gym on the Stairmaster, just, you know, working on my fitness. Watching, Watching the, the Talent team. Alone team? Watching the Talent Alone team, buddy. Hey, can I, uh, can I be honest with you about something? What? I, so I, I set this, this our, our rundown, and to pull back the curtain, Every week, we have a running document that's just our rundown for this, where I outline the show, and then we go through and make our individual notes so that we're not seeing each other's notes, but we're both ready for the same topics. And this week, I wanted to get into some film review. And so on uh, Wednesday or Thursday, I can't remember which now, I posted week three of my My Guys article, which is my weekly article in which I have a limited pool of guys that I pull from to write up kind of your Monday morning quarterback, your uh, hot read, your your cornerstone Sunday-Monday kind of week recap breakdown. And so since this week I wrote about C.J. Stroud in depth and adopted him into the My Guys team, I thought that we should do some film breakdown, talk about some C.J. Stroud, and then completely forgot I wrote that and followed that up by watching three Falcons games and writing tons of notes on the Falcons. Oh no, so you don't have C.J. Stroud notes? Well, I have my C.J. Stroud notes from the article. Oh, okay. But I have like a page and a half of Falcons notes that Holy I just have nothing to do with now. <laughs> yeah, save them. Save them. Yeah, I guess so. Um, 
But I did uh, I did want to bring one Falcon stat to your attention before we go into the CJ Stroud tape breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, since we're talking about the Falcons right now. So obviously they don't believe in Desmond Ritter there, but it's astounding to look into some of the ways they don't believe in Desmond Ritter. Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier, notably running backs, combined for 18% of target share, which is how mm. much Kyle Pitts gets. Drake London gets 12% of the target share. I, so before we uh, go any further, would you agree Drake London, number one receiver on the team? He would be, he's like their X-back or X-receiver? I mean, don't sleep on Matt Collins, but yes, right, absolutely. Moving on from you. Um, here are some players that are targeted more often than Drake London is targeted. Now, this is not raw targets. It's not like Drake London has 60 and these guys have 90. This is percentage of dropbacks that are targeted to Drake London. Once again, Drake London is 12%. So, players that have a higher target percent than Drake London. Kendrick Bourne, DJ Chark, Luke Musgrave, Devon Achan, Jordan Addison, Mark Andrews, Miles Sanders, Pat Fryermuth, Devin Tompkins. I don't even know who the fuck Devin Tompkins is. Jalen Warren, the backup running back on Pittsburgh. Tajay Spears, the backup running back on the Titans. And four different players on the Cowboys. So, eliminating the Cowboys. A lot of those players, would you agree they have bad quarterbacks? Uh, Kendrick Bourne, DJ Chark, Luke Musgrave. Luke Musgrave, I think, has a good quarterback. Devon Achan has a good quarterback. Jordan Addison has a decent quarterback. Mark Andrews has a good quarterback. Miles Sanders' quarterback is the worst in the league. Pat Fryermuth has a bad quarterback. Jalen Warren has a bad quarterback. I still don't remember who Devin Tompkins is. Tajay Spears is a bad quarterback. Yeah, I would say more than 50%. So my point just being is in those situations, I think their target share is very high because the good receivers on those teams are blanketed in coverage, and so the bad quarterbacks are just going with their, their safety valves or the guys that are more open. Yeah, but this isn't everyone that's ahead of them. This is just a list of some of the people that are ahead of them. Oh. Like, all of the best receivers in the league are above him. Any of the, the number one receivers. Like, I mean, you know, both the, the guys on Philly are ahead of him. Justin Jefferson is ahead of him. Devontae Adams is ahead of him. Puka Nakua is ahead of him. Like, all the top guys in the league are ahead of Drake London, too. Okay, so then to flip my point, I would just say doesn't matter bad quarterback, Drake London. Just- Blanketed. Bad quarterback. Yeah, Drake London blanketed, and he's not throwing to him because of that. So my point still kind of works, except for it. I flipped it, and I'm using it to explain why a good receiver has bad target percentage or lower target percentage. All right, Mike. Uh, I just had an idea. I want to go through real quick here, just so we can <clears throat> have a little bit more talk about Week Four in our preview mm-hmm. pro- program. Um. So. I want to go through and see what games you'll be watching in each time slot. Now, obviously, 12 o'clock, Miami-Buffalo. Let's say you had a second screen to watch the second game on. What's your second game you'd be watching? Um, of those games, hmm. I mean, Broncos-Bears for the car crash aspect, and then keeping an eye on Panthers to see if Bryce Young finally does something good. Uh, yeah, for me, it, I would normally say Baltimore-Cleveland because I think that's a great matchup, but I uh, notoriously and loudly do not watch Cleveland Browns games, so it won't be that. Um, Pittsburgh-Houston. Get to see some fucking C.J. Stroud, brother. Not your, your commies? Well, I mean, commies on the main screen. Mm-hmm. Well, Buffalo-Miami on the main screen. Commies on the second screen. What game am I keeping an eye on? Pittsburgh-Houston. You know what game uh, you'd have to fucking... 
probably pay me to tune into would be Bengals Titans. It's gonna be boring as fuck. Oh no, man! I'm, I'm, I, we gotta get that Joe Burrow bounce back at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Or is he just washed? Strange, I was gonna say yeah. that you'd have to pay me to watch Tampa Bay New Orleans, the Jameis Winston revenge game. <laughs> is it? Do we know if Anthony Richardson's gonna play yet? Uh, he is healthy. He's out of concussion protocol, according to my sleeper app. He is not questionable. So, okay. So then. I mean, pretty good one o'clock slate compared to last week Way when the, the, the late slate was so bad. But yeah. Rams, Indianapolis is another one. I mean, just Sean McVay, Anthony Richardson. That's a fun game. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the afternoon games, Mike? What are you watching at the four o'clock slot? All right, so we got three games here. Um, Raiders, Chargers. No, take my back. Uh, Pats, Cowboys is probably okay. going to be the game of the week. I don't know if you read my my guy's article, but mm-hmm. in that I have a section imploring the Raiders, imploring them to start Aiden O'Connell. There is nothing to lose, and if they start Aiden O'Connell, that game instantly becomes watchable. Uh, I agree. Watchable. Yeah, I agree. But if they're going out there with fucking Brian Hoyer, snooze fest. Not even gonna, not even gonna check in on it. Yeah. Um, I love that you're going New England, Dallas on that. Is that what no, you're no, I, I'm not. Um, I was saying that's going to be like probably Fox's like game of the week that. You know, everybody who doesn't have their in-market team playing at that time, we'll see. Um, you know, I'm going I'm going Cardinals-Niners. Fuck yeah, 14-point yeah. line, baby. Yeah, after Cardinals knocked off the 2-0 Cowboys, if they somehow upset the Niners, we have to nickname Josh Dobbs the Giant Killer. It is also, right. that, is, that is 100% the Degenerate Gambler game of the week. Mm-hmm. Because you know, everyone, everyone watching that game is either sweating out San Francisco minus 14 or sweating out Arizona plus 14. And brother, let me tell you, I'm in on one of those. Yeah. Over unders currently at 43 and a half. They're hitting the over. They're yeah, hitting, hitting overs. More. They're hitting <laughs> unders. Big cock Fox. Big cock Fox. All right, Mike, what about at the Sunday night football game? What game are you watching for that? I guess I'm forced to. Oh my God. Chiefs jets. It's going to be a slaughter. Remember last year? when Russ came into Denver and they put Denver in all these primetime games and then Russ was fucking terrible and they were like, we don't know what to do. Yeah. And then the same thing happened with the Jets this year. Mm-hmm. The same thing. Uh, yeah. So I was going to say how in the world is that only currently an eight and a half point line, but then I remember the Jets defense could, you know, mitigate the damage. I will say Kansas City is undefeated since Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey started dating. Oh my God. <laughs> I hate you. All right, Mike. And last but not least, uh, any thoughts on why they made Seattle New York Giants a primetime game? I guess it made more sense before the season started. Yeah, t- two playoff teams. This, I think, this is a litmus test because, oh no, never mind. Giants fucking suck. Never mind. I was gonna say this might be like a litmus test of if the Giants are gonna be okay, but they're they're not gonna be okay. Let me see. Let me check one thing real quick um let's see they've played eh, so the two teams they got bodied by were the uh cowboys and the niners i feel like the seahawks are in that wild card range where the giants were expected to be so if they get blown out by them or get their ass kicked then it's pretty much it's, it's curtains on the giant season yeah i kind of want dabble to go fucking weird on this one like what if, remember that game in the rain a couple years ago when Belichick just ran the ball like 41 times and had Mac Jones throw one ball. Oh, that was that super like windy game in Buffalo. Yeah, but it it was like two seasons ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I kind of want Dabble to do that. Like, what if Daniel Jones runs the ball 31 times? 
That's kind of what I want to see out of this game. What's Saquon's status? I think he's out. He's out again? He's out. He's out. Yeah. So, I mean, get a lot of Eric Gray. Let's go. All right, Mike. How about we uh, hit some film review here? Let's talk about the Stroudmeister General. Let's do it. Let's do it. So so overlooked. It's, it's sad. CJ Strong Bad. Mm-hmm. Strong door. All right. Mike, CJ Stroud. Uh, number one quarterback taken off the board, if you use my sliding scale of good quarterbacks. Taken out of Ohio State. Wide receiver room. I was, I was looking into this because I never know college. This wide I'm receiver real. room was fucking insane, man. I like mm-hmm. I want I want Houston to lose enough games to somehow end up with Marvin Harrison Jr. and just redo run that back. Yeah, I'm trying to remember which wide receiver it was. That's on my all uh, transfer portal my all transfer all <laughs> transfer portal team offense. Who I pointed out that he originally committed and played at Ohio State, but they had like an unreal like wide receiver room. Because I even said Garrett oh, Wilson, Marvin Harrison Jr., and someone else that were there at the same time. It was uh, it was it was Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jackson Smith and Jigba were all and, there. Yeah, and uh, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. No, it was prior Marvin Harrison Jr. No, um, I was I was looking into it. Like maybe you know he wasn't their number his... one receiver at the time, but maybe he just overlapped with Jackson Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah, he did overlap with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah, uh, because I pointed out I was like, yes, they had all three of those receivers and did not win a college football title along with C.J. Stroud. It was on freaking real. But anyway, go ahead. All right, Mike, so I kind of want to go two areas with this. Like I said, I watched a shitload of Stroud film this week, and uh, like what I'm seeing. But I, since we, we don't have all the time in the world and can't, you know, break down the money do details, we can't get in the Gruden mm-hmm. grinder, really grind it out, grind that milk and cheese, and send really uncomfortably bad texts and emails that later get us fired. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to talk about what's going right and what's going wrong. Okay. Uh, I also, Mike, uh, if you wouldn't mind pulling up my my guy's week three article, there is a clip in there that I would like you to watch. I actually might have sent it to you on here. Hold on. Let me see. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, never mind. Here, let me see if I can just upload it. If I can just upload okay. it into the chat, then no reason to. I already got your my guy's article up, brother. I'm uploading it in the chat as we speak, brother. So there's a clip under the CJ Stroud headline that it's worth playing that clip. Like, there's a picture, and then right below it's a clip. I'm watching it right now. So... If you scroll back up to the picture, you'll see where he starts his throwing motion there. Mm-hmm. Tank Dell is covered and hasn't broken outside yet. Yeah. Like, there is something to be said about the way that C.J. Stroud, three games into his professional football career, is throwing with just insane anticipation. I mean, like, like a quarter of a tier below Aaron Rodgers' anticipation. Like, he knows... This playbook inside and out is my takeaway. He knows when people are going to be in their breaks. He knows from his pre-snap reads where he's going with the ball. And beyond that, because he knows where he's going, he is so good, so good at moving the defense with his eyes already. There was a play, I think against the Ravens, where they had Devin Singletary run around out into the flat, and they had Nico Collins run like a post. and. I guess from whatever he saw pre-snap, he knew he was going to Nico Collins. But there's a moment right before he throws where he just shifts his body to the right, looks over at the flat, linebackers move in, and then he just throws it right in the spot the linebacker was before to Nico Collins for a first down. Yeah, and I feel like that is a thing you have to be able to do. It's like one of the 
parts of the bar you're going to have to meet to succeed in the NFL are those timing throws to get the ball there when the receiver is going to get open. Very often we see struggling young quarterbacks or bad quarterbacks that throw the ball late because they're waiting for the wide receiver to get open. And then by the time the ball gets there, the uh, defender has adjusted and has caught up. Yeah, there was an interception last night where Jordan Love threw the ball into an empty spot, but the defender was waiting on it and jumps the route right as it comes in. I mean, it's just, that's the difference. Back and lift there, bud. That's the difference between being an NFL multi-year franchise quarterback and being a guy who plays backup on the Atlanta Falcons. It's the ability to know how to move a defense so you can throw into what you see as the soft spots in the zone. And that pass right there, I'm rewatching it right here just to make sure I kind of got... Yeah, that's probably right. So one of the things I kind of looked at that is a very good sign for C.J. Stroud is he's playing very well right now in the intermediate range, which is like your 10 to 19 yard range. He has an A dot of 14.9, an adjusted completion percentage of 67.7, has not thrown any picks, and is currently the 11th ranked uh, graded quarterback in that range. That's very good for a rookie QB to come in and really start working those depths of throws. Because a lot of times, deep passes, they'll come. Um, a lot of times, rookie QBs can get scared and just really target the sub-10 range a lot. So just to piggyback off your stat you said there, mm-hmm. you said he hasn't thrown a single pick in the intermediate range? Correct. CJ Stroud hasn't thrown a single pick. Oh, all season, yes. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> C.J. Stroud, as a NFL professional quarterback, has yet to throw an interception. And now, that streak can end at any time. Interceptions are not always the quarterback's fault, as we've seen with Dak Prescott. But C.J. Stroud's only turnovers have come off of fumbles. He's, I mean, he's throwing well, and he's playing very safe with the ball. And when you think about who's a supporting cast, like, they're solid players, right? Like, there's nothing against them. Their number one receiver, Nico Collins, who's breaking out this year. Calling it now. Early, maybe... A little too early to say it for sure, but Nico Collins is looking great. Their Tank second Dell's receiver, yeah, Tank mm-hmm. Dell is also like situationally. Tank Dell's been awesome. Their second receiver, Bobby Trees, solid veteran presence. Probably not the best guy in the world to be your second receiver anymore, but big Bobby Trees guys here. Talent alone, mm-hmm. the Bobby Trees podcast. And then Dalton Schultz as their tight end, another solid guy. Not a top end guy, but a solid guy. It's kind of like, I mean, they're they they have the Seattle Kraken of wide receiver rooms. But CJ Stroud's getting a lot out of that. And, you know, shout out to Bob, Bobby Slowick, their offensive coordinator. Bobby Slowick's getting a lot out of that too. He's scheming it up in a way where you're getting Tank Dell on these outbreakers against single coverage where he's just going to beat people with speed. And you're getting Nico Collins over the middle where his lanky fucking ass can get up over people and catch a ball. But the engine, the, the what's the phrase? The cog that pushes the wheel, the engine that pulls the wheel, whatever it is, has been... C.J. Stroud outplaying expectation. Yeah, and just to look at some overall things, like 13th highest A dot among QBs this season. Yeah. Uh, also, also just to clarify, any PFF grade I pull up, like on a position on a position basis, I always do 20% of like certain amount of steps, so I can get rid of the people who just came in for like have like two plays at that thing because those are outliers. Did you um, 100% of plays. Where's Blaine Gabbert on that? Because Blaine Gabbert has five snaps and he has two interceptions. Be so curious. he wouldn't he wouldn't be on that. Because if you went if you got rid of the oh if you did no n- yeah no minimum yeah um 
77.3% adjusted completion percentage. Very good. Only four turnover-worthy plays for a rookie through three games. Um, I also noticed he, he's really excelling in the center of the field, which, yeah, scouts are going to be looking and being really like to see a QB that can drop a dime along the sidelines. That's great. But you got to kind of like, you know, work from the inside out. Step one, you know, get the center of the field, a place that has become such a bigger part of NFL playbooks to attack now. And he's playing very well in that part. He's also making reads at a professional mm-hmm. level. This isn't the, you know, siloed Sam Howell or even to a level Tua. Like, I, I really don't want to kick Tua at any point. Tua's playing mm-hmm. out of his fucking mind. But it's not a siloed offense. Like, you'll watch plays where he'll go through three or four reads. And sometimes it's hard to tell because the guy's fucking moving defense with his eye. Sometimes it may be his second read who he's going to. It, like, he knows that. But he wants that route to develop, so he's moving people by looking at the other reads. But he's making, like, left to right full reads. By the way, pulled it up real quick. Uh, Blaine Gabbert has the worst passing grade in the NFL. Yeah. Slightly worse than Bryce Young. Yeah. Right. Speaking of Bryce Young, it was funny because so all the draft talk was Richardson's a wild card, but the hands down most athletic and a ridiculous, a ridiculous ceiling. And then it was Bryce Young too small, Bryce Young too small. Meanwhile, CJ Stroud, once again, was the forgotten guy. He's 6'3, 215. Hopefully he can keep bulking up a little bit to be more sturdy in the NFL. All right. He was unreal in college. And then scouts were like, yeah. QB-friendly offense at Ohio State. 86% of the time, he's in the shotgun. Also, had a lot of talent around him. That is the most... What's the four for? Four first-round pick receivers. Yeah, but I'm going to push back on that because I always hear that. Oh, he had so much talent around him, though. He had so much talent around him, though. Okay, did the talent live up to expectations? Did those receivers do what they were expected to do? Yes. Do you want to know why? Because the guy who was throwing him the ball. He was part of that equation. Imagine what Garrett Wilson's numbers would be if he didn't have Zach fucking Wilson. <laughs> you know? So when, when Olave, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, um, Garrett Wilson put up monster numbers in college, CJ Stroud was part of that success. And you see that in the NFL where he's leading Nico Collins and Tank Dell to break out years. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I, I feel like Nico Collins had the potential of going on Terry McLaurin's status wide receiver watch. Yeah. And then they get C.J. Stroud in the building, and C.J. Stroud is just fucking chucking it, man. Mm-hmm. And he's unfortunately not going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year because Bijan's going to have an insane year. Puka Nakua has 700-something targets. Legit Laporta, you know? <laughs> Legit Laporta being the first tight end to ever win Rookie of the Year. But we're going to look back in five or six years, and it's going to be one of those things where when you don't think of the season, you'll be like, how the fuck did C.J. Stroud not win Rookie of the Year? Yeah. I loved, I really did like this, this quarterback class going into the draft and my Bryce Young priors are definitely hanging on by a thread, even though it's early. Um, but I said like CJ Stroud's a great quarterback and the talk about him during the draft was very, he was very looked over because of Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson and it was wrong. It was wrong. And he currently is the 19th graded uh, QB by PFF and passing rating, which isn't like astounding, but guess what? He's a fucking rookie, dude. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's also worth noting he has the highest EPA amongst any rookies when we're talking about stats. Uh, And only 2.7% of his passes have been deemed turnover worthy, which would have put him second place in the last three years amongst any rookie. If you didn't count the like six games Kenny Pickett played in his rookie year. I was going to say, you've been grinding more of the tape than I have. I get the feeling that his offensive line is not good. Yeah, that's literally what I was about to say. Same fucking minds, man. Mm -hmm. That offensive line is a sieve right now. 
Yeah. It's unfortunate, but it's the status of rebuilding a team, right? There's only so much shit you can give to Houston. They went out, made two first-round picks this year, got who they thought was going to be their defensive cornerstone and who they thought was going to be their offensive cornerstone. And so far, they've at least hit on one of those things. I haven't watched a snap of Texans defense, so I don't know how Will Fuller is playing. And can I, I say something? Fucking Will Fuller. What's wrong with him? <laughs> can I say something funny? Is that just going back and looking into like a lot of the scouting reports on him coming out of Ohio State? I think it's so funny how much the uh, NFL has changed that it was a in it was cited as a weakness that he's not a very mobile quarterback. He's primarily a pocket passing quarterback. And I'm like, man, the NFL is totally flipped from what it used to look for. Yeah, there's a black quarterback who sits in the pocket and reads left to right, and we're like, mm, really wish he would run. Yeah. He is making a couple plays with his legs here or there. Uh, so he's not, you know, Philip Rivers, but he's nowhere near Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, some of the other quarterbacks who make moves. Like, he's not even, I was going to say not even Josh Allen. Josh Allen might actually lead the league over the last few years in yards per attempt as a quarterback. Hmm. But he's he's never going to be a guy who's, on third down, his first read's not there, and he runs for eight yards for a first down. But on fourth and two, when three reads are covered, he'll be a guy that picks up those two yards. Yeah, there's a difference between he doesn't do it and he can't do it. I think in some of the situations he can, he just won't do it if he doesn't really have to. Dude, he's just pre-injury Dak. That is who he is. He is. I agree. All right, Mike, did you have any other stats or anything? I, under my what's going wrong, we already kind of hit it. It's the offensive line. Um, mm-hmm. The only other note I had is like, I guess CJ Stroud throwing across his body on the move. He's thrown some really bad passes there, but fuck, that's nitpicking. Yeah, I guess the last point I wanted to make was we go into this season and because of the status of this team, I think a lot of people were thinking Damian Pierce could end up being the most valuable player offensively. Not having a great year, and meanwhile, C.J. Stroud has accounted for 43 first downs, which is eighth in the league. So he has just walked in and become the most important part of this offense. Yeah, yeah, and we didn't know what to think going in, and I think that just about across the board, we all undersold C.J. Stroud stock. But here at Town Alone, we are game-stopping it. Uh, we like that quarterback. I just like the quarterback, absolutely. Yeah. Come fucking talk to us, AOC. We'll have you on the podcast. You can grill us. Diamond fucking hands, baby. Diamond hands. Is this what I... Uh, am I doing the Shayna Baszler right now? No, you're doing the Diamond Dallas page, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. What does Shayna Baszler do? How does she do it? It's we a spade. Never... There you go. Curl the thumbs to make a spade. I feel like we can never do it when we used to try to do this. It's not as easy as one would think. No. All right, Mike. Let's make a fucking bet, eh? Hey, so you want to... We're going to cook up this... Falcons same game parlay. Eh? Uh, once again, those new to the podcast, the official talent alone team of the 2022-2023 season, which was last season, I meant the 2023-2024 season, is the Atlanta Falcons, currently sitting at 2-1 and one, atop of the NFC South. Their only loss so far last week to Detroit. Is that right? Yeah, those are those are first L. Things. So, as such, we are cooking up same game parlay here. As we do every week. It's just for the people that haven't listened to before. Just let them think we do it every week. All the time. Just don't go back and listen. (laughs) All right, Mike. I have some notes here, but I want to get your initial temperature. What are you thinking right out the gate for this? I'm kind of, I just figured we kind of wing it live. All right. You know, that's that's basically how I bet most of the time. (laughs) Fucking doing it live. So let's go through 
some things here, similar to the CJ Stroud thing. What are the mm-hmm. Falcons doing right, Mike? Running the ball. Running the fucking football. It is the only phase. I looked this up for the Jaguars, too. It is the only phase on either of these teams that currently has a positive EPA per play. Wow. Is the Falcons' run game. So let's focus definitely on running. Uh, follow that up, Mike. What are the Falcons doing wrong? Uh, Desmond Ritter. That is exact- are you looking <laughs> at my notes? No. I need I need you to see this. This is wild. <laughs> Hacked into your notes. Running the only phase of your team be my short pass. Where is Falcons doing wrong? Desmond Ritter, yes. Desmond Ritter. Okay. He's yeah. a bad player, okay? So let's uh whatever we do here. Let's avoid betting on Desmond Ritter overs. Mm-hmm. So so far I'm thinking what we should be looking at here are reception overs, running overs, Ritter unders. Okay. What so, um let's follow that up, Mike. Let's uh let's talk about what the Jags are doing wrong, yay. So okay. the Jags currently have a middling run defense. Fifteen. Mm-hmm. To the t- the top ball carriers each week. Week one, they allowed four point oh yards per carry to Anthony Richardson. It's a weird game. They they held Deion Jackson to a really low total, but it's a weird game when you talk about running totals. Week two, five point eight yards per carry to Pacheco. Week three, four point seven yards a carry to Devin Singletary. I was gonna say, and they are also another thing they're not doing great is they are towards the bottom of the league at generating pressure. Yes, their defense has not been playing well, but mm-hmm. that kind of implies that the the angle to bet there is going to be on Desmond Ritter overs or Desmond Ritter passing. Not something I really want to venture into there. Nope. They are also doing a fucking terrible job of catching passes in bounds. So far on the year. Trevor Lawrence has lost four passing touchdowns to receivers catching the ball inbounds and then not getting their feet down. Four touchdown passes have been outside of the end zone because of that. Like, receivers will catch the ball inbounds and won't toe tap, and it'll be ruled out of bounds. Zay Jones has three of those alone. They also, currently, Trevor Lawrence has a negative 2.8 completion percentage over expected, and that doesn't account for when it's the receiver's fault. It's just given situation, do they expect this to be a completion, yes or no? Mm-hmm. So you can imagine that if those receivers had been catching the ball and landing inbounds, that Trevor Lawrence would have a much higher completion percentage over expected. They're also second place currently in drop percentage. So it's worth noting that at some point, we will probably see positive regression on those stats. Maybe that's the angle to bet there. So maybe some uh, Trevor Lawrence overs on passing yards. Maybe Trevor Lawrence over one and a half passing touchdowns. That's currently sitting at some number. I don't know. I think probably plus 115 for that number. Yeah, so I'm not really sure because I don't really like too many Jags offensive overs just because, I mean, the Falcons defense is kind of middle of the league. um, Above, above average. But offensive line in Jacksonville has been playing really bad to start the year. Yeah. Uh, and they have some, some injuries across there, mm-hmm. but who's fucking, what does that affect? Who's rushing the passer on Atlanta? That's true. They don't have a very good pass rush. So yeah. Uh, Jaguars also allowing the 23rd highest average points allowed in the league. Or they're 23rd in average points allowed. My apologies. I said that backwards, which means that they're allowing the, Ninth highest points per game. So, did you ask for Trevor Lawrence's passing yards over under? I'm sorry. No, touchdowns. One and a half. I think it's at plus 115. 
over one and a half touchdowns. Plus one twelve. Plus one twelve. Mm-hmm. So I think that's worth talking because once again, they're losing a lot of EPA and a lot of completion percentage to receivers catching the ball in the end zone and then landing out of bounds. And at some point that's going to regress. At some point receivers will be able to catch the ball in bounds. Yeah. So let me ask you something to see. I want to see which one, which one you'd like more here. All right. Over under is currently at 43 and a half. Wait, 43 and a half. Last time I saw it was at 44. Yeah. 43 and a half right now on FanDuel. I take the over. You take the over there. Yeah. That, that is really low. 43 and a half. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I was going to say under at 44. Oh, really? That's so I think they, they might have nailed it at 43 and a half. They might have. I'm sure, I mean, Jacksonville's offense has looked rough. Falcons are really only a one phase. They only have one side of the ball they can, or one phase of the ball they can do damage on. It is London. These games are weird. But 43 and a half is pretty low. If that was like higher, higher 40s, I'd definitely go under. Yeah, you're right. The London thing's the whole thing. I wonder if it, when they got out there and how long they've been out there for. Remember that one time when that running back on Miami had like 200 yards in London. Mm-hmm. Who was that? I don't know. Is it Jay Ajayi? Did he have like 200 yards oh, in London? Yeah, I forgot about him. He had that big Philly year and then went to Miami and did not live up to the hype. Or was it the other way around? I don't think he had a big Miami was, year. Oh, I don't know. Who was it? It was someone. I'm going to go ahead and say it though. You know what I really like here? As I continue to fade the Jaguars. I'm going to say it. I like Falcons plus 136. This is a winnable game. Oh, see, I have um, I have the Jags alt spread at minus five and a half in here too. Going down? Oh, minus five and a half. You really like them? Uh, I really like them. Really like them? I like a money line. I don't know about minus five and a half though. Minus five and a half. I really think that uh, that I'm onto something there. Why my FanDuel account get locked? I love me some Bijan. Some Bijan. Love me some Bijan. But I don't know if I love him at over under rushing yards is sixty four and a half. That's a lot. So, you and I are on completely opposite ends. So, oh, okay. like I said, you're you're thinking Atlanta money line, and thinking Bijan under sixty four and a half. Not, I, I, I don't have, feel confident either way in that one. I have Jags alt spread to minus five and a half, and Bijan seventy plus yards. So I don't know if you're cooking up if you're going to bet your own parlay on the one I'm betting though. Try to come to a consensus on, with this on you. I'm going to meet you in the middle, and I will alt-spread Falcons to minus two and a half. Falcons? Wait, how is that in the middle? Because <laughs> you wanted, I wanted just money line. You wanted minus five and a half. I'm saying I will meet you in the middle and do Falcons minus two and a half. So instead of basically... Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. How is that in the middle? That you want Falcons money line when they're the underdog, and I'm taking the Jags minus five and a half. Oh, the Jags minus five and a half? Yeah. You think the Jags are going to beat up on our Falcons like that? Yeah. I I cannot tell you how much I believe in this positive regression coming for the Jags offense. Trevor Lawrence has been playing too well for how this is going. I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. I don't know if you uh. Yeah, this does feel like one of those games where I'm fading a team so hard and they've struggled the last two weeks that then it would come back to bite me when I go all in on fading them. So, so you don't like Falcons plus 3 then. <laughs> Falcons plus three is at least closer to what I'm, you know, putting out there. I'm going to have to cut okay. out a lot of silences because I've been trying to get my, my FanDuel account unlocked while we've been doing this. Oh, okay. But too many failed logins. I guess my phone was trying to unlock my phone. My, or my mm. pocket was trying to unlock my phone. My phone was not trying to unlock my phone. This my is hilarious. Is it's hilarious that a 
player the caliber of Drake London's over under receptions is three and a half. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. And I don't know if I would bet the over on that. That might be a stay away. I kind of like Mac Ho- Mac Collins over two and a half plus one ten. Mac Collins is beginning a lot of receiving work though, so like all joking yeah, aside, ain't bad, ain't bad. Um, okay, let me give you my full parlay I put together here, and then we can figure out what you're gonna bet actually. Okay. So I bet it under when it was at forty four. Uh, so we, we obviously you can't bet that anymore. But I had under at forty four. Trevor Lawrence over one and a half touchdown passes. Jacksonville Jaguars minus five and a half alt spread and Bijan Robinson 70 plus rushing yards for a total of plus 2,910. All right, we're back. Short break there. We had a short fantasy hockey meeting we had to do. We're back now. I just read off my same game parlay uh, just in case. Yes, I did. What are you talking about? You didn't finish it. You only said one leg, didn't you? No, I said all four legs. All right. I think you're fucking fucking Vance. Um, I already did, and I'm pretty sure if you read this back, when you listen to this back, you're going to look sound like a fool. So I took the under when it was at 44. Mm-hmm. I took Trevor Lawrence over one and a half touchdown passes. I took the Jacksonville Jaguars minus five and a half, and Bijan Robinson seventy plus yards. All right. So Falcons have given up 24, 25, and 20 offensively or defensively. I mean, through their first three games. So let's say the Chargers do 25. Do I feel confident in the Falcons offense to you give me the, the Chargers? I said the Jaguars, you even though Chargers. I didn't. <laughs> um, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, they look like the same person. Uh, if do I feel confident Whoa. in the? In the <laughs> I said they look like it, not they play like it. <laughs> um, do I feel confident in the Falcons giving me their 19 points to hit the over? don't know if i do well that's great about my whole alt spread along with the uh under is that when the falcons inevitably win seven to 23 i still hit my under i don't know all right so my parlay right off the bat i'm just i'm fading you falcons money line i'm doing it i'm a believer and i'll take Bijan. you said 70 plus he has plus odds at that amy uh yeah i mean you'd have to look it up i'm gonna shake i'm gonna shake it up a bit algier 40 plus is plus 102 interesting I mean, that's that's so game script weird. Like, that was, like, game one. They were basically even on snaps. And then I think last week, they were even kind of close to even. So it's just, whatever the fuck Arthur Smith wakes up and feels like doing sometimes. All right, yeah, so I'm going to take the Algier in mind. Passing yards, Desmond Ritter's over-under is 185. That's funny. It's low. What a jabroni. Not not even low enough, though. Not even low enough. Player total receptions. I'm taking Mac Hollins over two and a half. Okay. So uh, read read your whole parlay out here again. So far, I got Falcons money line, Algier, uh, forty plus yards, and Matt Collins over two and a half receptions. Now, I'm just looking for the piece de resistance. Is damn Bijan's minus one hundred five anytime touchdown score? I hate when a player becomes minus odds anytime Teddy. Why? I don't. Know, I just don't like it. Worth it. I just don't like it. Calvin Ridley's plus one sixty, but once again, that requires someone named Desmond Ritter throwing him the ball. Yeah, and then I'm gonna go with Bijan. Over 25 and a half receiving yards. Total parlay. Once I am um, is 21, 20 plus 21, 23. I'm How's, dropping. How, is my, how are my odds longer than yours? How does I have that no happen? idea. You're, but the, you're the idiot making fucking over bets or whatever. Yeah. I'm also going to go ahead and add one of my 50% profit boost tokens. Plug for FanDuel. If anybody else likes to bet their hand addition amount, like fucking 
candy. <laughs> um, Took a lot of thought for you there, right? It did. I was trying to think of something more clever, and it failed. And I'll place 10 on that. So we'll ha- we have a little dueling uh, same-game parlay here that we'll get to see how we both lost next week. This must be... How often do you even bet parlays? This is so out of your realm. Well, I didn't even Google. bet this one. I'll be honest oh, with you. Oh, you didn't? You just cooked it up? Coward. <laughs> I just cooked it, cooked it up and took a screenshot. <laughs> I swear I'll bet it. Profit boost it and at least throw five on it. I've been trying to unlock my FanDuel account for the last 15 minutes. I don't think I'm ever betting again. <laughs> You're done. All right, Mike, any, uh, any last thoughts there? Forget the fuck out of here. Uh, no, just, uh, you know, to uh, stay strong with the town alone team, go Falcons. Go Dirty Birds. Do us, dirty do us proud in London. And um, defensive all, tra- all transfer portal team, is that up yet? No, it'll be up by the time this podcast is up, though. That's going to go up tomorrow. The uh, AEW Wrestle Dream predictions go up. I know this, not, this isn't the wrestling podcast, but me and Adam are deadlocked at 44 correct predictions apiece with about six months to go in this competition. A long way to go. It's like being two and two and going up, ah, bound for the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, it's like probably like what another eight pay per views or so we got lined up to to predict God, or nine. Probably more than that, right? Well, we figured that the Fed does one a month, and then AEW right. has a couple this sprinkled in there. Seems more like an off the air. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead and uh, plug what you got to plug, Adam, and let's let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, so we uh, launched the Talent Alone Pod at gmail.com, so you can. Email in all of your thoughts, concerns. Uh, you can ask Mike if he's packing the lip. At any point, and the answer will be yes. Um, beyond that, keep an eye out for the My Guys list. Been going up every week so far. It's getting better and better. Shouts out, by the way. Ben Solak of the Ringer fame did uh, post a CJ Stroud play sheet video as I was typing up my CJ Stroud film breakdown, and that did help me in a couple points there. I made sure to give plenty of love to him in the article. And go to the website. We have transfer uh, portal articles up, as as Mike said. We got multiple podcasts a week now. We're getting into the time period where we're going to start doing some predictions for hockey and basketball and try to figure out how we're going to jam all that shit into a podcast when we did two this week and both of them ran over an hour and a half easy. For a second there, I thought you were going to say you got Benjamin Skolak coming on the pod next week. I was like, how did you pull that off? (laughs) Not yet. We're getting there. Making progress, you know? All right, uh, you know, go Dolphins. Squish the fish.